Welcome to this week's podcast. We are moving through menopause. And this morning I'm joined by Shirley Ward. Shirley is a registered nutritionist and I'm really excited to have this conversation because I am a food fanatic, uh, a real food fanatic, I should probably say. So welcome, Shirley. It's lovely to have you. Thank you, Philippa. No, no, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You're very welcome. It's, it's great to get together and, uh, and talk about these topics because, you know, menopause can be brushed under the carpet. It can be the poor relation, uh, you know, and although because we are talking about it a lot, we think that's all that people are thinking about. Actually, that is not the reality. This is still a topic um, that is somewhat taboo. And mm. so, you know, you and I have our experiences of menopause. So would you, would you care to share a little bit about your own experiences? Yes, of course. It's been quite interesting reflecting back on that, actually. So um, before we did this session and uh, I found it really, really interesting. Um, so I, I say in a way I, I, I was lucky, but actually I'll, I'll temper that in a minute um, because I just went cold turkey, for want of a better word, and, and my periods just stopped. And that was the case. I'd always been pretty regular. Then they just stopped. And um, then after that, I was thinking, you know, a few months after thinking, well, I'm actually doing all right, actually. Well, what's all this fuss about? And then um, I started to get hot flashes in the day and night sweats. Um, and I was really, really busy at the time. I mean, I generally am pretty busy work-wise, but I was doing a lot of work with Knuckled Health. I was doing a lot of their corporate um, workshops and talks um, on corporate client sites and I became quite self-conscious actually thinking oh my god I'm wondering if people can see me and generally a lot of the time actually people don't even notice but it, it makes you very self-conscious so I thought right I really need to look into this and find out more you know why and how I can help myself really um, you know hence my sort of delving more into the menopause area and um, I'd started to see clients who were having menopause issues and you're right you know a lot of women were not aware of the changes and why things happen and importantly what they can do to help themselves so that that's what got me interested in this area and I've been delving into this area ever since in helping my clients. Yeah and I think that is uh, the case for lots of us who are flying the flag for menopause that that it's our journey that influences our uh, thirst if you like for this topic this information around this topic um, and and I think that's that's a shame really because uh, for us to have been a bit more prepared probably would have been a good thing um, and and anyway so we can't go back there's no going back we can only go forwards but interestingly my experience was very different in as much as I had symptoms for about five years before my period stopped. Mm. And so, uh, so totally the antithesis of your experience actually. And so, uh, and, and like a gradual creeping up on you sort of thing with things happening incrementally. But, um, you know, lots of symptoms. I, I experienced lots of the 34 symptoms, experienced quite a lot of them, I have to say. And, uh, and so that really started me on my journey of exploration and, and realizing like you, you know, once you start to tread on that path, 
you come across people who you realize are on that same path uh, and and yet they haven't yet come to that realization themselves they don't know it yeah yeah so you know that the, then it, it's interesting it's a bit like buying a new car and all of a sudden you see them all over the roads uh, when you never spotted them before it's very true like, yeah. very true yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and in, interestingly, I was talking to a beauty therapist and she sort of said uh, uh, around the time of menopause or thereafter, she was suddenly fascinated by uh, electrolysis. She said, you know, as a younger therapist, she was never going to care less about electrolysis. And then all of a sudden. So, you know, it does it does speak to that um, that there are ages and stages and that our life experiences invariably influence, uh, you know, the, the things that we're doing, the things that we're interested in. But I am, I am really aware that like there are people who do like you stop the periods and have no symptoms at all. And yet the ramifications of this decline in estrogen is still is still occurring mm -hmm. and then of course the other the other uh, piece of the puzzle is that there are people who are experiencing these symptoms who are not talking about it and suffering in silence and so uh, to talk about the effects of uh, declining levels of estrogen I know this is something that you're uh, very well versed in Shirley. Yeah absolutely and um, you know see it a lot if we look at sort of a, a natural normal cycle sort of you know five, seven years pre-menopause, um, yeah, your hormones are actually going to be starting, a lot of levels are going to be starting to decrease. But actually, estrogen reduces by about 40% once you've reached menopause. So it's not quite as dramatic as a lot of people think and not quite as, as uh, it doesn't go quite as low because as, as long as you're able to keep your adrenal glands um, working effectively, they and um, to a certain extent, some fat cells, they can actually be um, production sites for estrogen. So that's the good news. Um, unfortunately, I see with a lot of my clients that actually their adrenal health isn't that great. And I think a big factor is once we're moving in towards menopause, um, it can create a lot of stress for um, for women and actually not just women for their partners and, and close you know friends and relatives too and it's a real source of stress you know going back to what I was saying about you know I started having these hot flushes while I was doing my presentations and I was like oh my god you, you just get a bit anxious and um, you know also the um, you know um, foggy brain is is a quite common symptom that I hear from my clients you know I where, where's my memory gone I can't remember things and um, um, you know, that's another sign. I mean, estrogen is, is a very powerful hormone in the body and it's a real modulator of so many different systems. And so that's why it can have such wide ranging effects. So therefore, one of the first areas that we could look at is adrenal support. Let's try and support those adrenal glands to support our ongoing estrogen production to help to try and keep things more balanced.
So, you know, we can certainly look into, you know, certain foods that can help to keep adrenal health good. Um, So your adrenals are producing, you probably know the adrenals as your um, stress production sites, basically. So they produce a whole range of steroid hormones. Um, Common ones are adrenaline and cortisol, which are our stress hormones. So they're producing that fight or flight response when we start to feel a bit anxious, a bit stressed, getting into stressful situations. And the problem with high adrenaline levels um, is it's also going to shoot up your insulin hormone levels as well. When um, adrenaline um, uh, levels increase when you're feeling stressed or anxious, you need a lot of energy to produce that fight or flight response. And so your blood glucose levels are, are spiking as well. So adrenaline is um, increasing energy levels in the body. It's diverting energy uh, from other areas and spiking your blood sugar levels to give you that energy. And you might think, well, actually, that's good. I need actually more energy. I've been feeling tired all the time. So that could work for me but actually it's not sustainable energy um, and when that energy has has been used up which um generally we don't actually use it up. we're not going to run or fight we're just going to carry on and doing that presentation we're not going to suddenly run from the presentation are we so that um energy is then stored for future energy reserves and a lot of the time that is stored around your middle and that's another classic symptom that a lot of clients come to me about saying, oh, my goodness, I've, you know, since I've gone into menopause or I'm, I'm getting into menopause, I can't shift this weight. I'm doing loads of exercise, can't shift this weight. And it's an interesting one, that hormonal shift, um, because your body's trying to be clever. Actually, it's trying to protect you um, by storing more fat around the middle because your liver is located in your um in that area in your in your middle and your liver is responsible for releasing storing releasing storing glucose it stores it at glycogen it releases it when it when the um uh, body is telling it right i need more energy release that uh, release that glucose and so your body's thinking right if i store it near to the liver i'm being really efficient here hence you know gaining weight around the middle so we've digressed a little bit but you know there are a few areas that you know are very much interlinked with you know hormone levels reducing especially estrogen and all those hormones are so linked in with each other we cannot separate them that's right um because the building blocks are the same essentially with a lot of them absolutely yeah yeah, precursors can be the same for a number of different hormones but yeah absolutely i mean balancing your cortisol levels trying to keep your cortisol levels you know balanced is a really good way of overall hormonal balance of of helping to get to that that term homeostasis of you know that balance of all your systems working in balance with each other which is when we're moving towards sort of more optimal health absolutely the homeostasis is something your body is constantly uh, aiming for yeah Uh, and and there's a lot of things in our lives that will work against us in that regard and you know not least of all the fact that the decrease in estrogen levels is affecting neurogenesis in the brain. So the ability of our neurons to be synthesized and uh, generated in a very similar fashion to bone cells, actually. And I hadn't, I, I, that kind of helped me to understand it, that we have this constant turnover of cells and uh, in skin, we're more familiar with that whole concept, but the same thing is happening in bone and also in the brain and the neuroclastic, neuroblastic activity in the brain. So, Mm -hmm. you know, brain fog is a very real 
real physiological effect of yeah. menopause. It's, it isn't just that we're all of a sudden we're all emotional and we can't remember stuff. You know, there's a very real physiology behind this. Similarly with uh, mood, the sort of disturbances of mood and uh, and memory. So, you know, these are these are very real physiological changes that are mm. going on. And, and actually anxiety uh, is the other thing that, that we can... Yeah have as a consequence of that so but it can become a bit of a self-perpetuating cycle of anxiety and worry and cortisol and you know this whole Simply cycle worse. yeah absolutely yeah. so so it's really about the kinds of things that we can do to intervene and clearly you're a nutritionist and uh, and I'm a movement uh, specialist so my mo is is movement but you know, for you, of course, your uh, modus operandi is to to help us with food. Have you got some suggestions of the kinds of things that might benefit us in terms of nutrition? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, definitely. Do. <laughs> yes, yeah, I can, I can start with a few, a few pointers, definitely. So, well, we've just been talking about hormonal imbalance and the big role that the adrenals play in that as well. So if we can look at reducing factors that move us towards anxiety which obviously is a symptom of stress and move us away from that stress process and that's a really big help to the body so with you know stress a lot of external stresses relationship money issues work issues etc we can't always be in control of those so we can't always manage those to as much as we would like so actually, let's look at some what we call internal stressors, which we can be much more in control of. And these are um, certain foods that can actually create effectively this, that, that same process that the stress process causes. So there's spike in adrenaline, spike in, in insulin. So, you know, foods that are very fiber deficient, foods that are very sugary, very sweet, um, and, you know, meals that are lacking protein. If we look at those first, so um, fiber deficient foods, I call them the white foods, like your white pasta, white bread, white flour products, um, sugary foods, sugary drinks. So, you know, they are, um, they've had all their natural fiber removed um, and they're very carb heavy, these kind of foods. And so they've got lots of energy contained in them, but it's mainly just pure energy. And, and, and the processing, food processing has actually removed most of the nutrients, the vitamins and minerals they would contain naturally as well. So say you're having some, uh, you know, some white pasta with some tomato sauce for lunch, as an example. So um, that white pasta is going to be digested, broken down, releasing that energy really quickly into your bloodstream after that past you get that initial energy lift and you think oh, great I feel really good now but actually about 20 minutes later you could feel oh crikey I could have an afternoon sleep or I just feel really actually feel hungry again what's going on so that quick release energy into your bloodstream has been sent around all to all your cells for for physical energy it's also been essential brain for mental energy as well the brain uses about 60 percent of the the glucose we obtain from carbohydrate source foods and that's sent around there really quickly because there's no fiber element that would normally slow down the release and into a sustainable form of energy and so that excess energy you know we you know say you're in a in a, a desk-based job you've had your pasta for lunch you're tapping out your computer you haven't used up that mental and physical energy so excess is going to be stored stored quite quickly as fat for future energy reserve you get this energy dip so hence 
mid-afternoon cravings, for example. I'm sure that sounds quite familiar to a lot of you. So that's where that, that can come in. And that cycle can continue. You could have, you know, a coffee or a, 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 you know, a biscuit to try and pick your energy levels up and then you're going to get caught in that cycle again. Mm -hmm. So going down a better route of choosing energy foods, but with that fiber content, rather than going for white pasta with tomato sauce for lunch, for example, you could go for brown rice if you're a fish eater, you could add some smoked mackerel or, you know, if you're um, a vegetarian, you could have some feta cheese or a vegan. You could have some quinoa with some butter beans and some salad all mixed in because they're adding fiber. But they're also we're also adding protein in there as well. And protein is going to slow down the release of that quick release energy because protein is, is um, digested much slower in the body and protein we need to build hormones. So protein is helping us for, for a hormone balance. Sorry. So just some ideas there. I mean, you know, and, and so much of this is just generally good advice, you know, in terms of uh, weight management, the sh managing the blood sugar balance yeah. uh, invariably, uh, stress, uh, it, it's a contributory factor. And um and actually just general health, you know, in terms of our heart health uh, and the gut microbiome, you know, needs lots of lovely fiber, doesn't it? So absolutely does. Yeah. You know, so this is the kind of thing that uh, really, for me, it it's, has wide reaching ramifications in terms of not just our hormonal health, but our general health. And so for me, that's just a win win, really. <laughs> It really is. It really is. And you mentioned gut health there, um, Philippa. I mean, again, I, I focus a, a lot on digestive health with what I do, and it's a real passion of mine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ba being basic, if, if you can achieve, you know, good gut health, then, hey, your health is going to move towards that optimal level. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, it's so important. And I see so many clients with digestive issues. And, you know, we work on their digestive health, um, you know, particularly their gut health, get that in a better shape because 70% of our immune system are produced by our uh, microbiome in the gut. So if we've got a strong immune system, especially with the pandemic going on, then we are in a much better, better shape to protect ourselves overall and not just, you know, obviously focusing on the menopause, but that's an absolute added benefit. So yeah. we've got um, vitamin D receptors in the gut and vitamin D, I mean, it's called a vitamin. It's actually a hormone. It's got a lot of controlling effects in the body. So, you know, low vitamin D levels are associated with low mood, are associated with bone issues. Vitamin D, key cofactor for strong bones and for the immune system. You know, the list goes on. There's so much research going on into vitamin D. And how can we help ourselves with that vitamin D? Well, by improving our gut health, consuming um, fermented foods. Um, which can help their prebiotic and help to feed our probiotic beneficial gut microbiome. Um, things like sauerkraut. If you, if you know, know sauerkraut, making it yourself. I'm going to be doing a video on how to, how to make sauerkraut. I love it. We eat it a lot here. So it's just an easy, cheap and really easy way of producing a fermented food that you can um, help your gut health with. Well, Shirley, I'm, I'm definitely going to be watching that video because my insides have been playing me like a fiddle since this menopause came along. 
Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh honestly I, I'm not going to bore everybody with the ins and outs of my insights but yeah I mean this is not something that gets better with age is it? it's got you know stomach acid levels uh, are declining our general ability to well that's the other thing our absorption is not quite as it was and so optimizing digestion thereby we optimize the nutrients that are entering the bloodstream and it is so important as you said and then the the, the link between the gut and the brain that gut brain you know i mean that's so just powerful. cannot sever it no absolutely no that's a, it's a really interesting one and, and it's just i've just done so much research into it and um you know the the cells in the gut are very similar to the cells in the brain when we when we are being created in the fetus they are very similar. So obviously they don't think and feel in the same way that the brain does, but there's a lot of synergy there, definitely. And so, you know, hence that brain link. Mm -hmm. If your gut's not, not doing well, your brain's not going to be doing well either. So by improving your gut health, win-win from a brain health point of view as well. And, you know, while we're on that topic, going back to what we're talking about with um, blood sugar balance and, you know, how certain foods and stress process can shoot those blood sugar levels up. And I think I mentioned earlier that the brain uses 60% of the glucose we get from our energy foods. As we age, yes, absolutely, our, the integrity of our internal skin, if you like, is reducing, um, which means that the blood-brain barrier, uh, which helps to balance glucose going into the brain in a sustainable form for mental energy, can become compromised as well. And so therefore too much glucose is getting into the, into the brain. That blood-brain barrier becomes compromised and that can lead to a whole host of uh, mental health issues as well, if unaddressed. It's a really interesting link, actually, really interesting. Well, that does sound fascinating because honestly, Shirley, uh, you know, over the last number of years, I have been following whole food, you know, nutritious principles. Just, just because, you know, I think I might have mentioned before, my son, when he was one year old, had cancer. And, mm. and so it, it just happened that, you know, I was so racking my brains with what on earth can I do to help this child be healthy? Look, you know, he had treatments and we were very fortunate. The NHS served his life and, uh, and he's now a healthy 20, nearly 21 year old. But at that time, you, you just are so racking your brains. What on earth can I do? And the only thing that I could come up with was, you know, you are what you eat trying as much as possible to eat single ingredient foods uh, lots of whole everything uh, you know and, and over the years that's been tempered clearly as as, uh, as time passes and a bit more kind of the 80 20 rule comes into play which is well what you do the bulk of the time is what makes the difference difference and so you can have occasional when you maybe fall off the wagon on occasion and and that's fine but uh, but yeah, I find that I'm totally sensitized to anything with sugar in. And mm -hmm. I feel, I actually almost feel it go to my brain. And, and I, I mean, maybe I am crazy, but, uh, but honestly, <laughs> it's like it literally, you know, it hits your stomach and before you know it, it's, it's totally messing yeah. with your mind. Yeah. Um, you know, and this is so important just now, isn't it? With, with the, the state of the nation, mental health issues you know there yeah. it's on the rise uh, yeah. 
absolutely understandably so many people are struggling on on lots of different fronts menopause um you know pales into insignificance potentially at that point but you know these these principles apply which is that we're nourishing our bodies we're nourishing our minds and we we are invariably helping with our own uh, mental wellness state yeah yes yeah no we definitely are and you know i see it a lot with a lot of clients that that come to me and you know they don't that's not one of the, the initially it's one of the reasons they come to see me about but obviously the way I work is very holistic I look at all areas and I'm not you know I don't just hone in on on why they've come to see me you've got to peel back the layers and understand what's happened what's gone on in your previous life what's actually got you to where you are today and actually it's very much the case with menopausal issues as well you know I'm going right back to you know pre pre-30s in, into, you know, childhood, teenage years, et cetera, what's going on? Because it's, you know, it's this build-up of factors that get you to where you are today. And if, unless you do that, unless you're thorough in doing that, you're not going to be effective at actually, you know, helping your client take back control, as I'm sure you find as well, though, Philip, with what you do. It's yeah. absolutely the, the history taking is just the most important thing we can do. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know the brain it does come down to the brain a, a lot of times our values our beliefs uh, our habits our subconscious systems how they're acting you know in our lives yeah um, the, the things that we do that we don't even know that we do you know yes uh, and so getting to know ourselves and this is a great opportunity isn't it as well you know we can menopause is a time of reflection as you as you just mentioned and and actually that could be a good thing it could be good that we take a moment for ourselves to evaluate you know where are we where are we going who are we what yes. what is it all about yes this, this is not a bad thing um so you're quite right we both work in a, a holistic way it's just that movement is my focus and uh, nutrition is yours but you know what this is a match made in heaven is it not indeed it absolutely is i mean you know we from a nutritional perspective we need to be moving to move our food through the digestive tract it's a big muscle it, and you absolutely know your muscles um and you know that they've got to be exercised to keep them toned to keep them healthy and you know if you're sitting at a computer and i think this is bringing this working from home it, you know have, have brought a lot of issues for people you know beneficial to a certain degree but a lot of the time um you know my partner's working from home and he's stuck on these zoom meetings for hours on end um you know and he's just very conscious that he does move up and down the stairs etc when he's just on the phone and that but you know if you're just sitting there for hours on end you've had your lunch you're sitting you've gone back to your meetings how is that food going to move through your digestive tract properly unless you're up and up and around moving effectively yeah. to move it through yeah. um, and you know if you don't address that it's over time going to lead to additional digestive issues unfortunately yeah, yeah. which as we know have have ramifications for the whole body systems the link between movement older people in in who become immobile and develop constipation etc um you know a lot of that is because of not moving so uh, so yeah it, it all is so very intertwined you know but clearly I, I you know I have to stay within my um scope of practice and movement mm -hmm. is is my thing and I know that's the same for you well you know what I think we've had a, a 
thought-provoking conversation today mm -hmm. and uh and i'd love i'd love to chat with you again thank you so much for your time shirley i know that you're busy and uh, we all want to get away from these screens so uh <laughs> indeed absolutely no i've really enjoyed it philippa thanks very much for inviting me and we'll speak again yeah thank you bye okay. for